Howdy, folks, and welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. For the first time in almost a month, it's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson together for this episode of the show. Devin has been going solo for the last couple of times, and I had my one rant about Cam Newton right after his game against the Rams. But now we're back together again, uh, ready to talk and discuss some football uh, together for the first time in over a month or in less than a month. So, Devin. It's good to see you again, my friend. How you doing, bro? Good to see you as well, man. Uh, doing pretty good, you know, uh, on uh, vacation from work. So uh, I get to have a little break from work and uh, at home uh, with family. So uh, good to see everyone and, you know, catch up with everyone. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, talking some football, man. It's, it's been a while. Um, just to let everyone know, the reason why Devin and I really couldn't together during uh, the last few podcasts were because of course I had I'm in school I'm dealing with I was dealing with final exams final papers quizzes homework and all that really stressful um, last month um, or so for me Um, just trying to get all that in trying to deal with uh, getting my classes for the spring semester registered and whatnot so a really stressful last month for me but now I'm in winter break stress-free not having to worry about anything just here to talk about football and nothing more but before we decide before we dive into some of the games from this weekend I want to talk about something that really has been stirring up around Twitter um, and just around the NFL in general, um, it's about Juju Smith-Schuster. Devin, let me ask you this. Is Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the lo- on the team logos before games a big deal? I mean, he's doing TikToks and whatnot, but is it really that big of a deal? Uh, no, I mean, if you, you know, just look at what happened in the game, he wasn't the reason they lost, you know? Um, and people were trying to spin it like, Oh, he's making it seem like, you know, basically he's putting a lot more pressure on the team. You know, they have to, um, you know, answer to what he's doing, stuff like that. But, you know, he's going out there and make trying to make plays, but he can't do anything if the offensive line isn't blocking. You know, if Ben isn't playing up to the level that he was playing earlier this season, um, you know, he, he's doing all he can to make a difference. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a receiver. You know, he can only do so much on a game and their defense is still one of the best in the NFL. But the offense is the reason they're losing. And he is not the the main sole reason that, you know, they can't put up points. So to me, he just seems like a scapegoat at this point because, you know, they don't want to come to the reality that, you know, the offensive calls, you know, are not great. They haven't been great this season, really the last couple of seasons, which which is why a lot of Steelers fans want to fire the offensive coordinator, Randy uh, Fitchner. Um, so he he's I would assume he might be gone after the season. But, you know, it, I think fans sometimes just point to something they can tangibly see, like if they can see it and they can put blame on it, then they'll do that. And to me. You know, they said, you know, the Bengals said they got more juice out of him doing that. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out and play football. You know, it, it doesn't matter if a team is juiced up or not. You should be ready to play 
on a Monday night, a game where, you know, you could wrap up the AFC North and you don't handle business. And now you want to now fans want to blame Juju when he had nothing to do. Well, I mean, he, he contributed to, to the loss, but he's not the main reason they lost. It, it it's it's just so annoying that and I, I recall Juju dancing and whatnot to when Camden was dabbing when he was in 2015 when and yeah they were people were complaining about that they were like oh he should be focused on playing football but here's the thing the Carolina Panthers they were winning a foot they were I think more, they started 14 and 0 they went 15 and 1 went to the Super Bowl and lost I mean that's that's what happened Cam Newton was having fun that year. Probably the most fun I've ever seen him have. Like, that was a special year for him, and he should have had fun. Juju is, how old is he, 22, 21, 22 years old? Let him have fun. I don't care if the team is winning or losing. Let him have fun. If you have such a big problem with Juju Smith-Schuster, Dancing on opponents' team logos, I I, I don't know, man. It, it it's so annoying that people are trying to put blame on Juju and like, oh, he's doing his stupid dances and he's costing the team. Like, and look, Juju is having a great he he's a great football player, but he's not getting the targets. He's not being schemed more in the offense, in my opinion. I think his highest total this season in terms of yardage is like 90-something yards. Like, they haven't really involved him in the passing game for some odd reason. Now, granted, uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, James Washington, they need their reps. But, you know, that that offense is just too predictable. Too predictable. The drops are happening. Offensive line's not playing well. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look good. I don't think he's healthy, and he's not really letting on about it. The team's not letting on about something that's probably going on with Big Ben. Now the Steelers are probably going to have to win the division in Cleveland, which is going to be a nightmare for them because Cleveland is probably the hottest team in the NFL right now. They are balling out, and Cleveland has a very good chance at winning the division. So... You know, should Juju, the narrative that Juju needs to play well if he's going to dance like that and contribute, look, you got to think about the offensive coordinator and how he's been doing things all season. Um, someone we know well, Nick Farball, who covers the Steelers, I, I, I would say he would be on the same page, you know, that Juju needs more, more targets in the passing game, but his him dancing doing TikToks on the team logos it's not that big of a deal be more worried about what the real struggles of your team are Juju is far down the list of problems that Steelers have right now way down he's probably not even that big of a problem he's not even a problem at all in my opinion like look folks it it's not that big of a deal it's not I, I just I guess people just don't like when football players are just trying to have fun in a year where it's not really fun. You know, we're dealing, we're in a pandemic. Not, there's nothing really good about anything going on right now in this world. Cases are surging across the world. I mean, it, it's just, 
it, it it's not a good time everywhere. And people are just trying to find ways to have fun. And I think that's what Juju's doing. He's just trying to have, trying to find a way to have fun, win or lose. So that's the end of that rant. That's the end of all that. Um, I think we got that out of the way. Glad I got that off my chest. Let's go ahead and start discussing some football. Um, Panthers, Packers. Actually, no, I'll let you start with your Saints and Chiefs. Um, that was, I watched a little bit of that game and Patrick Mahomes he looked good as always. I mean, of course, but I think the Saints were probably the only team in the way of the Chiefs having a 15 and one record. If the Saints were able to slow down or even beat the Chiefs, you know, we could probably see a rematch in the Super Bowl. We could still probably see a rematch in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's definitely a possibility. But now we saw the Saints of what they were like against Kansas City. Is there a possibility that the Saints could end up being another one-and-done team like they were last year? Is that a very good possibility? I mean, based on the offensive performance on Sunday, uh, it could be very real. Um, I mean, just look at who Drew Brees was throwing the ball to. He was throwing the uh, little Jordan Humphrey, uh, Jawan Johnson. Uh, a lot of these guys were undrafted free agents or uh, late round picks. And all they really had was Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook yesterday. Obviously, Michael Thomas is done to the playoffs. Um, which was disappointing since Drew Brees came this came back this week. And I think the game may have turned out a little bit different in Michael Thomas' play, you know, with him being able to create separation and, you know, uh, being a reliable target for Drew Brees. But at the end of the day, man, um, they had chances to win the game, but they just could not keep a consistent offensive drive going after really after the start of the second half. Uh, and I think that's really the story of the season for the Saints. They just have not been able to cash in on opportunities. Uh, and, and one of the bigger plays in that game was forcing a, forcing uh, Demarcus Robinson to fumble on that punt return and Alex Anzalone not being able to recover the punt, you know, because that would have tied the game into halftime. Saints got the ball out of halftime. And they could have really went up a score and then the whole dynamic of that game could have changed. So I think now it's like, you know, I, I really don't know if there's a solution right now to the Saints offense. I think at this point they just got to go with what they know. And that has to include Alvin Kamara getting the ball more. He really didn't get involved to the fourth quarter, which is a little bit too late. Against Kansas City, I thought they should have been exploiting matchups against him, considering the Chiefs were one of the worst teams guarding running backs in the NFL. Um, I'm very surprised they didn't use him earlier in the game on on choice routes, on uh, Texas routes, all those different routes. And really, it came down to the Chiefs just basically ran out the clock in the second half. You know, they scored a couple times. Uh, you know, they went up, uh, I believe, 10 with like... Well, they, they went up uh, at the beginning of for the fourth quarter and then the Saints scored. And then, you know, basically they just bled like probably five, six minutes a clock. And with the Chiefs, what's dangerous about them 
is that they don't have to score 40 points to win anymore. They can win by scoring, you know, 32 points or however many, many points they scored on Sunday. And they have a legit running game, you know. Obviously, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, he left the game with an injury and probably won't be back to the playoffs. But uh, Le'Veon Bell looked pretty good. You know, he had pretty much the game ceiling uh, run at the end of the game. And, you know, when they're running the ball, that smells doom for teams because they're just going to hit them with play action. And you got Tyree Kill on crossers, Travis Kelsey on crossers. So th- this team is incredibly difficult to defend. I was happy with how the Saints defense played considering the the amount of time they were on the field in the first half uh, to only give up 14 points. And that came literally in the first quarter. Uh, I'm very impressed with the Saints defense, but man, um, you know, the, the confidence and, you know, kind of hopeful feeling I had a couple of weeks ago with the Saints before they played the Eagles uh, is not there anymore, to be honest. And, you know, it's, it sucks because you had two winnable games. You could have easily beaten the Eagles, and then you had chances to beat the Chiefs, but you just could not finish. So, I don't know. It, it could be a one-and-done season for the Saints again. Um, hopefully it's not, you know, once everyone gets healthy, but we still don't know uh, if that's going to happen. They're a long shot to get uh, a bye right now. They need... The Packers to lose one of their two last games and they need the Seahawks to win out. So that way it can make a three way tie and they can potentially, um, you know, get the number one seed. But uh, based on how they're playing right now, you know, they might be locked into a two or three seed. And, you know, I was I was thinking while you were talking about that, I was like, you know, the Saints end up playing – if the Saints end up not having that first-round bye, it, it doesn't seem likely. So they're probably going to have the number two seed more than likely. And then you're faced with the facts. you got faced potentially the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, that offense against the Saints offense that's really struggling. And the Cardinals defense, as of late, they've been playing a lot better. Um, Isaiah Simmons has been getting on the field a lot more, and that's really helped out a lot. Um, their pass rush has gotten better. Hassan Reddick has really emerged. Um, and I'm like, the Cardinals could re- have a really good shot at potentially being the Saints um, on wild card weekend. You know, it, it's like the, the Cardinals are probably the – Biggest worry for the Saints once again in the playoffs because they know that the Cardinals they can they can score a lot of points they can play defense when they need to so you know I really wish that the Saints had started Winston you know and I, I'm sure he probably wasn't ready you know like he probably he's probably still learning the offense and whatnot but I get the the urge to start Taysom Hill, but when you have Jameis Winston, the talent he has and his ability to um, go vertical down the field, you you need to start Winston when you're facing teams, when you have a situation like against the Eagles, um, against the Chiefs Sunday, honestly. Like, I, I think Winston should have, should be the starter from here on out. 
he should have been the starter, but now he's on the COVID list and he's probably not going to be back until until he comes off, whenever that will be. But you know, it, during the preseason, we are we were all like the Saints are probably going to be one of the better teams in the NFL. Now they could probably end up being a one and done team, and that just kind of sucks for Breeze because you would think like this team is in a win now situation and they want to try to get Breeze one last ring before he retires potentially after this season. And now that opportunity might not happen. So I really feel bad for the Saints. I feel bad for Saints fans. I feel bad for Drew Brees. And there's a possibility, you know, the, the Saints are probably have probably the worst cap situation in the NFL. They're like 80 something million dollars over the cap because of the lowered cap um, space this year, the lower salary cap. So, you know, the, there's a possibility the Saints could start blowing things up after this season. There's a good possibility that happens. Marshawn Lattimore is a free agent. You know, I mean, they just re-signed Alvin Kamara, but there could be a possibility if they want to blow stuff up, they, he could be a trade possibility, you know. Uh, Ryan Renzecki, he's a free agent. He's probably – he could be gone unless he got the fifth-year fifth option. I'm not sure if he did or not. Um, but, you know, the Saints, they want to get to the Super Bowl. They have to start playing better, and it starts next week. Who are they playing this week? Is it? Um, yeah, they're they're dreaded, uh, unfortunate rivals, uh, Minnesota Vikings. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. All, all Christmas, so. Oh, on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh no. You know, avenge your demons. You know, avenge your demons. That's what the Saints need to do this weekend. All right. I need to talk about Panthers-Packers because I got some stuff I want to say about that game. The Panthers aren't as bad of a football team as people are saying. And yes, but in, well, in a way, the Panthers are kind of what we expected early on in the year or early on in the preseason, like, they, Matt Rule is going to make this team competitive. They're going to be, they're going to stay in games for a lot of the season. It, it, it's true. They, they've been in a lot of games. They, I think they lost like eight or nine games by eight or less points, and a couple others they were just completely blown out. But they stayed close in some of those games. I think Tampa Bay. Um, trying to think what else. Tampa Bay. Were, was one team. What else? I'm trying to think. Gosh. It's Falcons. Falcons. Yeah. Um, you know, it's with the Panthers. I'm seeing Panther fans on my timeline saying, oh, we can be a playoff contender next year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow down here for a second. The Panthers have a lot of holes on the roster. They have a pretty gigantic hole at corner. They're not good there. They need a, they probably need a second defensive tackle next to Derek Brown because I doubt came one shorts back next year. He's probably going to be a cap casualty, especially if the Panthers want to re-sign Taylor Motot and Curtis Samuel. He's probably, K1 shorts probably gone. 
their offensive line, if they can't bring back Moton, that's going to be like a big priority as well. They're going to have to revamp that entire offensive line. Matt Paradis could be gone because he'd be a cap castle team to hope, hopefully bring back Moton and Samuel. And so, and also you got quarterback. I mean, quarterback's still probably one of the least concerned positions, but at the same time, I'm getting the feeling and I, I, been noticing over the last few weeks I don't think Teddy's really it he's probably just a bridge quarterback and that's about it but when I'm when I've been watching him play it's just it's not what you were expect expecting early on the season like he he hasn't been as consistent in the short and intermediate games his his ability to drive the team downfield in you know, late in games like um like last week um, or the last couple of weeks or so, like they they just have not been able to get downfield, score a touchdown, or at least kick a game winning field goal. They failed to do that. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't really gotten them in a good position to do so. And I feel like Panther fans were saying like, "Oh, Teddy Bridgewater sucks." I don't think he sucks. I just think he's very limited as a quarterback. Um. And I saw the comparison of like he is Kyle Allen, but um different skin color. No offense. But like I I, I don't like that comparison because Kyle Allen was very, very bad and Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater is a way better quarterback than Kyle Allen, without question. And when I I like Teddy Bridgewater, great story, everything like that. I just don't think he's going to be able to win football games with this team. So I've been now, I've popped on to the bandwagon up. Panthers should draft a quarterback with their fourth or fifth overall pick, whenever they're picking, whether that's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, they got to get their franchise quarterback. I'm not, and I've said this, I'm not opposed to them getting, Get them getting a really good football player other than a quarterback, building the roster around the QB position, and having a little quarterback competition between Tay Bridgewater and PJ Walker. You know, I, I wouldn't mind that. You know, it it give another year for the team to really evaluate, evaluate what they have, um, and also be able to bring back Moton Samuel, see what they got overall roster, then go into 2022 or cap space. And also a bit of bit more aggressiveness in the 22, 2022 draft with that loaded QB class. So, um, just watching that game against the Packers, it, it really showed that Bridgewater is in some ways holding that offense back. Um, there's also, you got a whole offensive line outside Taylor Moton that's been really inconsistent, not been very good. Apparatus hasn't lived up to his contract. Um, but what I was impressed with the most with the Panthers loss against Green Bay was they, they did a good job holding the Packers down after they, they really ran the ball well in the first half. Second half seemed like they just shut down Green Bay entirely. Um, Derek Brown really balled out, had his first two sacks of his career. Um, he looked good. I'm going to watch this tape probably later on here today, probably during lunch. 
Um, Brian Burns looked as good as ever. Um, Pro Bowl snub, but again, Pro Bowl doesn't matter for us. It's ridiculous. It's a flawed process. But I was really impressed with how well the Panthers' defense played. There is potential for that defense to be really good in a couple years. Maybe as soon as next year. Maybe as soon as late next season. You know, they have the pieces in place, the cornerstones in place. You got Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown, Brian Burns. You get yourself a playmaking corner, either in free agency or the draft, a cornerstone, cornerstone free, a cornerstone cornerback, and you're you're set. Like you get those guy, you get that one guy. And I feel like that defense can really start developing into something special. I think there's something special about to develop on that defense. Offensively, I think it needs work, especially on the offensive line. Um, wide receiver group is probably one of the more deeper groups in the league. You got Robbie Anderson, you got DJ Moore. You bring back Curry Samuel next year on the team-friendly deal. That's a really good group. And you get Ian Thomas some more touches. Ooh. Looks dangerous. Get McCaffrey back healthy. Resign Mike Davis. That's a really you got some good skill position players. You know, I I think Cam Newton would be happy with that if he was still around. You know, I think he'd be really happy with that in New England. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But you know, there there was stuff to like in that game. Um, DJ Moore balled out. Um, Robbie Anderson both and DJ Moore both hit a thousand yards on the season. I'm happy for them. Um, the first thousand yard duo in Carolina since, um, I think Masim Muhammad and something Jeffers. I'm trying to think of his first name. Um, it hasn't been since I think 1999. They haven't had a two thousand yard receivers, which is quite incredible. So, um, and, and last year doesn't count. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, both of them had a thousand yards, um, in the air, but that, it wasn't like just – it's more specifically wide receiver, not just like on the team overall. The team overall has had two – has had a 1,000-yard tight end and a 1,000-yard wide receiver. It's happened before, but I, I was kind of – I was impressed with what Matt Rule was doing, especially late in the game. He had an interesting strategy of where they were driving downfield and they only had one timeout left or two timeouts left. Matt Rule took a timeout. They had one timeout left. They had two-minute warning ahead. And Matt Rule, after the Panthers got a first down, he sent the field goal unit out immediately. He was like, field goal unit, get out there. Go kick a field goal, make it an eight-point game. Eight-point game. Panthers get a stop. Brian Burns gets a big sack on third down. Panthers get the ball back, but then a holding call to Bridgewater not doing his job. Ball game. So, I mean, that, that's been the story of the Carolina Panthers on on overall this year. Um, inexperience, Bridgewater not being consistent late in the game, um, defense doing their job late in the game, but the offense not doing their job, and the coaching staff just having bad game management issues all, all year long. So that's been the story of the Carolina Panthers this year, and it's probably going to be the story again against Washington. It's probably going to be the story again against the New Orleans Saints. Um, but the good thing that came out of this game, and a couple of days later, or a day Two days later, yesterday, Panthers fired Marty Herney or, quote-unquote, parted ways. Sure, they parted ways, sure. They should have done this last year. 
So Marty Herney, he's now gone. Panthers are going to have a new GM. I was actually at the fitness center. I was on um, on the bike machine. I was I was doing like a little thirty minute bike ride, trying to get some cardio in. And I see a notification pop up on my phone, and I start slowing down a little bit. And I look, Marty Herney fired. The Panthers have fired Marty Herney, and I like. I was like oh, freaking out in the middle of the gym. Like internally, I was like, oh my God, yes. Look, Marty Herney, great guy. Great guy. Did not his, do his job well. He did not. He hit on first round draft picks. I'll give him credit for that. He was on the money with first round draft picks. He got you Julius Peppers. He got you D'Angelo Williams. He got you um, Jonathan Stewart. Uh, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Brian Burns, DJ Moore. Uh, trying to think who else. Who else comes to mind? Thomas Davis. Like he he hit on players in the first round. After that, like there was not really any good contributors second round on. Like he could not hit on any player then. And I think a good, good example of that was the 2019 draft class. Like. He hit on Brian Burns. He's Burns has turned out well, of course. Draft class, draft class overall that year, just it's absolute shit. Now look, Greg Little and Dennis they have showed some promise, but it's not looking that great. So I think it Herney should have been fired last year, and the Panthers had a shot at hiring Andrew Barry. Who contributed to helping the Browns now having a 10-win season and on the verge of making the playoffs for the first time since 2002? Just saying, you know, if Tepper was smart enough, he would have fired Herney right after the season. He probably would have fired Herney with Ron Rivera last year. So now you're the Panthers. And I, I've talked, I've already just explained this a few moments ago about what they could do with the fourth pick. But now you're in a position with a new GM who could be anyone from Dan Morgan. Um, trying to think of who else. I have it pulled up here on a, um, on my phone here. Let me pull it up. You have Doug Whaley, um, Luke Dawson, Dan Morgan. Joe um, Showman, um, shout out to Joe Marino at the Draft Network for um, pulling up some of these names for me. Um, did some did some research on these guys. Um, look, very very good candidates for the job. One one thing I want to say is Luke Keekley should be the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. You let let him be the general manager, bro. He knows how to evaluate football players. He has studied football players years. I mean, he was arguably the best linebacker in football for eight straight years. You'd think he'd know a thing or two how to evaluate different positions and whatnot. He, his football IQ is tremendous. So I think Luke Keekley, now he probably won't beat the GM of the Carolina Panthers after um, for 2021 and beyond, but he will be a future GM. Just 
depends on where. Could it be with Carolina? Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, I'm excited for the future of the Panthers. Um, I'm excited what they could do with the fourth pick. Um, I just want to know your thoughts here. I know I've gotten my stuff off my chest here. I want to know what you think about Panthers moving on from Marty Herney and what the Panthers could do with their fourth pick. Yeah, I mean, it's seems like it was about time that they moved on from him. You know, he, uh, like you said, he's, he's hit on some players, but, you know, he really hasn't been, you know, that kind of GM that is – really helped the team and helped them move forward. You know, uh, they, he's made some decisions, you know, the, the front office has made some decisions that haven't been popular with Panthers fans or necessarily needed, uh, you know, a la moving on from Cam Newton and, and a list of other things. But, uh, you know, looking towards the future, I mean, the team has built a foundation. I think that's uh, very fair to say uh, they built a nice foundation this season. Uh, Matt Rule has come in and, really uh, revive the energy with Carolina. And you can see that, you know, these young players are making plays. You know, someone you, you hadn't mentioned but has played really well as well is Jeremy Chin. You know, he's had a really fantastic season. Uh, could have maybe gotten some consideration for the Pro Bowl team, um, you know, him along with Brian Burns. But they have played really well this season. You have to be excited as a Panthers fan. I mean, you, you guys have – a really nice future to look ahead to. And that could start with drafting a quarterback, you know, at the, at the fourth overall pick or, or however you guys finish this season. And, you know, to me, it may come down to, you know, who's on the board at four and, you know, what do you guys want to do with that? I, you know, it could be Sewell, it could be Justin Fields. If the number two team decides to go with Zach Wilson or someone else, um, so you, the possibilities are endless for the Panthers at four, uh, but they definitely have to get, they have to upgrade either the offensive line or the quarterback situation at this point, because you, you're set up to where whoever you select, if you select the quarterback, uh, you have time to develop them. You know, you have Teddy Bridgewater starting right now and, you know, he can be kind of that carryover until your next quarterback. And he can teach them, teach them, you know, a lot of the professionalism that he shows and, you know, how he conducts an offense and, you know, what he does day in, day out. You know, I think the dream scenario would be having Justin Fields at four and, you know, being able to kind of mold him and almost have yet another Cam Newton type of player where he can run the ball and he can, uh, you know, push the ball down the field and, uh, the only thing, obviously, that's the biggest concern with him is his internal clock. You know, he he can't set times in the pocket. He just can't feel the pressure. But I think whoever you guys decide to get, uh, it has to be someone that either one will be the future uh, at quarterback or two, someone you can plug and play immediately. And, um, you know, if you guys do get Panay Sewell, you know, that could be a, a, a nice building block for your offensive line. And, you know, you have him in the fold for years to come. But then, you know, if you go quarterback and get Zach Wilson, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, then you have someone that you don't have to play right away. Uh, you don't have to put the pressure on him to play. Uh, and obviously some rookies have come in like Justin Herbert. He looks he's looked good immediately. Joe Burrow, uh, those two rookies have played really well. But, you know, there are teams that still have that approach where 
you know, you're drafting a quarterback, but he doesn't have to necessarily play from day one. So they're in a position where whoever they decide to go with, um, you know, they'll have time to kind of develop and, you know, there, there won't be a win now team, you know, there'll be a team, you know, they'll, they'll be, it'll take a couple more seasons to really get to where they want to be. And, you know, it could be, you know, in 2022 where the Panthers really take that next step forward. And something you mentioned about Panay Well, um, I think Panther fans have, because they have seen the Panthers come so close to winning football games this year that they're like, you get this team, like a franchise quarterback like Zach Wilson or someone like that, like Justin Fields, you can get this team in the playoffs as soon as next year. I'm like very hesitant about that because you could still have Taylor Moton. You're going to have a, so you're still going to have a lot of young players next year, no matter who you draft in the first round. It's still going to be a young roster, still going to be a, an extra year of experience for the coaching staff. But again, they're still that inexperienced. So then they'll have finally like a full, hopefully normal off season in a way. Like you'll have OTAs, you'll have mini camps, you'll have, um, off-season workouts, you'll have a normal training camp, a preseason, whatnot. But I want to ask you this, and I think this could lead on to what we should probably be talking about next is, let me ask you, and I tweeted this out, or I tweeted a poll about this uh, earlier this morning. Uh, If So let's say Cincinnati wins another game. Let's say they pull off another win. Now the Panthers have the first pick and the Panthers end up losing out to lose to Washington to lose to the Saints. Now the Panthers have the third overall pick. If the Jets stay with the number two pick, they trap Zach Wilson instead of Justin Fields, who do you take at who do you take at number three if you're Carolina? You're the new GM. You take Justin Fields, get your franchise quarterback, or do you get an incredible, incredibly talented offensive tackle, probably the, one of the best to come through this draft in quite some time in Panay Sewell? Who do you go there? I, I, I've already given my opinion on this. About, I've already given my opinion about this on Twitter um, in the poll. I think you should go Sewell. You, I think he is a better talent than Fields, and I think he can really just – he can – Basically, in a way, heal up all those wounds that the Panthers have had for years at left tackle. And you're set for the next 10, 15 years. You finally got your Jordan Gross. You know, they haven't had a really solid left tackle since, I wouldn't say Michael Orr would count because he had his moments too. He wasn't great. Even in the 2015 season, he wasn't great. So it's been... Seven, eight years since the Panthers have had a legitimate left tackle um, to protect their quarterback. So I'd rather go with the best player available that's not a quarterback. You get Panay well, the best player in the draft, not named Trevor Lawrence, and you wait until 2022 to get a quarterback. When you have Sam Howell, Spencer Radler, Jane Daniels, JT Daniels, Keen Slovis, Carson Strong, and probably a couple other quarterbacks I'm probably forgetting. Like that is a loaded QB class that we might have in 2022. Assuming 
players end up uh, progressing and whatnot, but you know that's where I am. So where what would you do there? If the Panthers had the third pick and they were down to two options of Fields and Sewell, what would you do there? Uh, I think it really comes down to what you know the Panthers want to do going forward, and I also think to some degree uh, what happens with uh, Joe Brady. I think. If you are able to retain Joe Brady and, you know, he stays as the OC, I would go left tackle for, um, you know, the Panthers and, and get Sewell. But I feel like if they get a new offensive coordinator and they're already under a new regime at GM, I think they may go fields. Um, and because, you know, the stability with Joe Brady, if they have him in the fold, obviously they have familiarity with Teddy Bridgewater. And you you plug in Sewell and you have some of your issues on the offensive line uh, corrected immediately. You know, he he comes in and becomes an immediate fit. But, you know, I feel like if he leaves and then you have to learn a whole new offensive system and all those things, I think that's when you may see a quarterback get selected and Justin Fields may be the pick there. So I think, you know, it's kind of dependent on the other factors around the Panthers, you know, what happens with. You know, their OC uh, position, you know, Brady stays or or he takes a head coaching job and, you know, how the GM feels about the current roster. You know, if he's someone that wants to come in and, you know, try and get a kind of a quick turnaround and, and get this team immediately back into contention, then maybe he just stays with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater for now because, you know, he can win games. You know, um, that's that's not, you know, an issue. Well. Are you saying Tay Bridgewater can win games? Because I, he's a guy that he's a guy you can win games with. I don't think he's a guy you can win games because of. Well, yeah, I'm just saying based on their offensive kind of the weapons they have. You know, he's set up to right. win. So, and you have Christian McCaffrey back 100 percent. That you know makes that offense you know at least top 10 going into next year in terms of uh, yardage and, and can put it up points. Um, and if, you know, you get a second year in Joe Brady's system, I think that's when you can see leaps and bounds for Bridgewater and he could possibly have the best career, best, uh, season of his career, you know, and, and play some of his best football. I, I, I also, I have to remind myself of this, like the draft is seven rounds and you can, you can still land an offensive tackle. You draft Justin Fields at three, you could probably still land an offensive tackle like Dylan, uh, Redunas. Um, from North Dakota State, he's got the trace to be um, a starting left tackle. He'll probably need development, but I think starting him and letting him get the feel of it, letting him develop as this, as the season goes along, let him have those growing pains. You get him, someone like him, or um, Temin, J- Temin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, or Jackson Carmen, someone like that. You know, you you could possibly have your left tackle. Right there in day two of the draft, you could probably draft your tackle there in day two of the draft. You can probably build a whole new offensive line in days two and three of the drafts. And also, it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers went full all offensive line, all offense on or, or with this draft. They went all defense last year. Wouldn't surprise me when they went all all offense in the draft this year. So we need to get. To, we need to talk about the Jets. We need to because this has been a big 
discussion. This has been big news in the NFL for the last couple of days. The Jets won a football game. To the Jets players and coaches, congratulations. Adam Gase, you can still go to hell for ruining players on that football team. But for Jets fans, I'm sorry. I am very, very sorry. But, I mean, no team likes to lose 16 games in a season. They don't like to not, they don't like to go winless in a season. They hate that. Players hate losing. Coaches hate losing. No matter how bad you are, they are going to win. They want to win the game no matter how bad they are. So, now the Jets have the number two pick in the draft at the moment. Jacksonville has the number one pick in the draft. And I think in either situation, where whichever team Lawrence was going to go to, I think he probably would have turned that team around very, very quickly because he is that good and he you can win because of him. He is that talented. He is that special. But now the Jets are in an interesting situation. Now, I think the I think the draft could probably still go Trevor Lawrence one, Justin Fields two, Benet Sewell three, whoever's picking at number three, either that's Carolina or uh, Cincinnati. So then there's a discussion of, well, what do you do with Sam Darnold now? You you aren't picking first. Should Sam Darnold come back? And I've I've been thinking about this and I'm like you know, it wouldn't be that bad of an option to have Darnold stick around another year. You know, it if they draft Fields, start Sam. He's he's the more experienced starter, of course. He's he's very talented. He's going to be with a new coach and all. If Darnold shows any good promise throughout the 2021 season while Fields is sitting on the bench. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe Douglas traded him midseason. They go with Fields the rest of the way. But they had to understand the risk of Fields could struggle. He could even cost the Jets some games next year. But I think people are saying, like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is saved from going to the Jets. The reason the Jets are absolute dog shit, and I think this is a good reason, is that they have Adam Gase as their head coach. You you go to you look at any team you look at the Dolphins when they had Adam Gase as their head coach. As soon as Adam Gase was gone, like things started looking better. Now the Miami Dolphins are on the verge of making the playoffs potentially, and so now you're now you're the Jets. You're probably going to be looking for a new head coach next year because if Adam Gase is back next year. I would, if I'm a Jets player, I would get the hell out of there. If you're Quentin Williams, get out as soon as you can. It, it would shock me if Adam Gase was back next year. If he's probably, he probably won't, but new head coach next year, new coaching staff, new offense. You're going to have new players in, of course. You got more cap space. You got draft picks. You got two first-round draft picks. You can build the roster. You draft Fields at two. You can still build a roster around him. You can still trade Sam Darnold in the offseason to Indianapolis or Pittsburgh or 
Just spitballing here, Carolina. Just saying. Not biased. I'm just saying. Just saying. But I like the idea of Justin Fields getting drafted by the Jets and Sam Darnold starting over him for a couple games, showing team, showing, or just basically rehearsing or doing a job interview for whoever he goes to in 2022, assuming they just decide to run out his contract. Um, so, and also I've heard people say like, oh, the Jets should probably trade out of the number two spot or they should draft Panay well. Why would they, why would they draft Panay well if they already have Makai Becton? People forget that. Makai Becton's a very good offensive tackle. Year one as a rookie, he's had his moments, but my goodness, he is so, so good. So good. He is the future at left tackle for the Jets. No questions asked. They draft so well. That's a waste of a pick, in my opinion. I, I would not, if I'm drafting Panay so well, I'm drafting him to play left tackle. I am not moving him all over the place. Now I get he's got the skills to play basically any position on that offensive line, but I'm playing so well at left tackle if I'm drafting him. End of story. So, do the Jets trade back? It's a slight possibility. I know um, our colleague Clay. Um, he he asked me earlier. You know, should the would the Jets be interested in trading back with Carolina? I said Carolina is probably not even going to think about trading up. Because they would have a high draft pick anyway. I think they'd stay put at either three or four. Like, there's no reason to trade up, honestly. You're Carolina. You got a top five draft pick. You you shouldn't move anywhere because you're going to get a good player no matter what. You're the Jets. You have the number two overall pick. You don't move no matter what. You get your quarterback. I don't care if it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. You get your quarterback. So, I want to know your thoughts on this. What should the what should the Jets do at pick two, assuming they're still picking there and Jacksonville stays winless? Uh, I think right now, I mean, you have a situation where, I mean, they're going to win a game eventually. I mean, we talked about it earlier this season that they're not tanking. You know, they were trying to win games. Now, they were – they should have won the Raiders game. They should have won the um, the New England game earlier in the season. So that that is not a you know question really to debate. But I think if they draft a quarterback, you need to probably trade Sam Darnold in the offseason. And I think this is why you have Darnold in the fall right now. And basically, I think he knows that he's probably going to be gone. Right. So right now, I think he, you can see him playing a little bit more freely, um, you know, taking his shots downfield and, you know, being aggressive in the passing game. And to me, it feels like right now he's auditioning for a quarterback position for another team. And he played really well against the Rams yesterday or on Sunday. Um, and, you know, he's really played pretty well since he's returned from his injury. Um and I think you got to trade him sometime in the offseason and basically have a fresh start for whatever quarterback comes in. 
you know, whether it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whoever they decide to, to pick up. And, you, you know, you have Joe Flacco on a roster. You can throw him out there for a couple games and basically let him be the transition guy yet again, which sucks, but it is what it is for his career. And I think, I think right now the Jets are better suited to having a veteran quarterback at starting because to me, this would have been like, this could have been a similar situation for the Cardinals. You know, they had Josh Rosen in the fold, but Kyler Murray was waiting in the wings, but they wanted to start Kyler Murray immediately. And I think the Jets will want to, whoever they decide to pick, uh, they'll want to get him out early in the season, whether it's mid season or after like four or five weeks, they'll want to get him out, their rookie quarterback out there and, and playing. But I don't think the Jets should trade back. You know, they got a number two spot, you know, rarely teams want to trade back. I believe they have two first round picks, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Jets do this year. So to me, you go get your franchise quarterback and then you get someone on that offensive line to to help out immediately uh, later in the first round or maybe on day two. Or maybe you get the, the quarterback another weapon, you know, a receiver. They got a deep uh, receiver class this year. So to me, I feel like, you know, if you're going to go quarterback, you might as well get rid of Darnold. And right now, I think probably his value is around three. Um, and I don't think it's going to get any higher than that. And to me, I feel like the longer you wait in the offseason, you know, the his value is just going to continue to plumb. And if you if he comes on the roster next year and plays and he doesn't play well, you know, that just makes his stock go down. And then you're pretty much stuck with him and have to let him go into free agency next year or in 2020 heading into the 2022 uh, season. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, you know, it's the Jets are in now if the Jets still get the Jacksonville wins another game or they lose another game or no, 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 they if the Jacksonville Jaguars win another game this year, Jets get back the first pick. And they're back with Trevor Lawrence again. Everything is good again for the Jets fans and whatnot. You're in an interesting spot in number two no matter what because, like, there's going to be rumors on social media, Twitter timeline, and whatnot. And I want to, I want to bring something up that I noted a couple times, um, I think, on Saturday during the during championship weekend games um, and as well throughout the weekend. When you're look, when you're looking through your Twitter timeline, you're seeing the reactions of like how Justin Fields was doing in the Big Ten Championship. He wasn't great. He wasn't good. He wasn't good. Simple as that. People are saying, oh, well, he's probably not going to be the first, he's not probably not even going to be the third quarterback taken in the draft. Like, you know, people need to understand your Twitter feed does not affects a player's draft stock. That is what you're seeing. That is the reactions you're seeing from people on social media, on your Twitter timeline. The people you follow are giving their opinions about what's going on. They are not the reason why a player's draft stock is going to fall. It will be up to the league, the decision makers in the NFL, like the New York Jets, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, those are the teams that are going to be making the decisions on whether or not Justin Fields' stock rises or falls, you know? It, more than likely, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence at one, Justin Fields at two, Penesua at three, 
and then it's whoever from the fourth pick on. So people need to understand your Twitter timeline does not judge whether or not a player's draft stock is going to fall. And I have to remind that to people constantly. Like, um, like Justin Fields, he's not like a flawless quarterback. He's not. And sure, the quarterback two race is getting closer. Zach Wilson's tape is impressive. Fields is just as impressive as well. Fields has his moments. Wilson had it, has his moments. Wilson has had his bad games. Fields has had his bad games. You know, it, it's got to be fluid throughout the draft process. You can't, you can't fall for recency bias. You got to stay fluid throughout the draft process and you got to look at the full picture. And that's why I'm getting really excited for um, the draft process because we will finally start watching film on players. We'll be getting a good view on like where everyone is on prospects and whatnot. So I'm really excited about that. So back to the Jets and Sam Darnold. I really wish Darnold could have been the guy to one day lead the Jets to a Super Bowl. Like, that's what we all thought a couple years ago when the Jets drafted him. Like, he needed to be in a good position to really succeed. He needed the weapons, he needed the offensive line, and and it felt like as soon as he had that game against the Patriots last year, started seeing ghosts and whatnot, like, that's when... He really just started falling apart, um, and it just sucks because he's such a talented player, and he can really, really be a good football player. Um, it He just needs to be in a better situation, so I'm really hoping that he gets moved on at some point. Um, if he goes to the Colts, like that would be best-case scenario for him because – they have young talent um, at wide receiver that they that they're developing. They have Michael Pittman, who's going to turn into a good player. Um, they have a really good offensive line. They have a great defense. They have a great coaching staff. They have a great front office. Like that is the place you need to go if you want to develop a quarterback and turn him into a star. Indianapolis is the place to go. So I'm hoping that's where he ends up. Um, and I I think Chris Ballard would not hesitate to getting an opportunity at um, trading for Sam Darnold. Um, He's not afraid to take risks, and he's also not afraid to make big trades like he did last year for um, DeForest Buckner. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a successful future for Sam Darnold, and I'm hoping for a successful future for the Jets organization overall because they have players that they can really um, develop around, and once they get their franchise quarterback, I think things can start getting rolling in, um, in New York, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So excited for the Jets' future, hopeful for Sam Darnold's future, and um, just excited for both. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys later. Peace.